0: When it comes to Garden Basics, and that's the name of the show, obviously, uh, there is probably one really, really basic garden technique for ensuring that you have a successful garden. Debbie Flower is here, our favorite retired college horticultural professor. And Debbie, you said this back on episode 129 when we were talking about pot size, about the size of containers. You just threw this in as an aside. And you said, I taught Introduction to Horticulture for 25 years, And it's an introduction, and I don't expect them to know anything, meaning your students. So there's always a lot of questions. And what people, I think, need to learn to to do is to observe.
1: Yes, I'm a little embarrassed that I said I don't expect them to know anything. I expect them to, to have some gain, some information. I sure hope they have.
0: Well, they come in to you in a raw state,
1: though. And they then, do, yeah. and you have to t- take them where they come. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. Well, it turns out you're not alone in your uh, beliefs of, uh, of observational success when it comes to garden. Uh, here is uh, Steve Zion, who was on a recent episode, and uh, we were talking about... Uh, uh, I, b- I believe that the, the sub subject turned into foliar feeding and, and Steve had this to say. Another thing that I really like about foliar feeding is it gets you out in the garden and landscape and so you're looking at your plants and if you, you know, if you, if you do this once a month, which is what I did commercially for my clients, I looked at the plants very carefully as I was spraying them. And if they didn't look quite right, I put my sprayer down and I went over there and looked at the leaves and examined the stems and looked for pest problems, looked for symptoms of disease. And that way you can, you know, often catch the problem before it gets to be a serious issue and you can deal with it uh, as necessary. Very good advice. Just keep looking While you're working, and you'll find something else to do in the garden that day. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: Steve and I disagree on the value of foliar feeding. Uh, I I don't think it will ever harm the garden. I just don't think it does much to fertilize the plants, except in extreme situations. But he is absolutely right that anything that gets you out there looking at those plants is desirable. Not only will you necessarily find diseases and insects, but environmental issues uh, like something has changed and the plant's getting more light or less light or the there's not enough water and it's wilting Uh, plants that aren't getting enough water if they were shiny they lose their sheen if they had deep colors they start to lighten up they become sometimes more blue sometimes more yellow Uh, and and that and and then and that can all happen before the plant actually wilts and then of course it will wilt as as we probably have all seen the wilting but it's uh yes it's a very in pest management i one of the very first classes i brought in a lot of sometimes it was bananas sometimes it was peanuts and i made each student take one and they couldn't mark the banana or the peanut but they they could take notes they had to examine it. We think all bananas and all peanuts look alike, but there, there are subtle differences. And then we'd do something else, and then we'd come back, and they all had to find their own banana and their own peanut. And and they could, because... Was, it, was this a peanut in a shell? A peanut in okay, a shell, uh-huh, yes, good. yes. A shelled peanut, yes, right. Uh, so, it, it to try to show the power of observation. Mm. So, I like to go out, certainly once a week, to do the whole yard, other sections like the group of plants I have in pots outside the kitchen every other day at least and look through them. Check for the one that's wilting or is losing its leaves or has lost its sheen or has curled up leaves. Um, You need to look close. Look at the stems, as Steve said, and you need to step back. To, To preface it all, really, you need to know what the plant looks like when it's healthy. Right. So make sure you get that in your brain as well. I'm still thinking about bananas
0: and peanuts, <laughs> but I think, wow, boy, if you're doing homeschooling, what a great little experiment to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And have your kids pick out their uh, their banana.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Out of. Yes. So it's a it's a you can do it from afar. You can especially with trees, uh, things like redwoods, which here in in the Sacramento region, often get to a size where they can't keep themselves hydrated anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the problems are going to start up in the top of the plant. Or failure in a tree can start up high, where the branches start to push against each other. And you'll notice that the branch is a little bit lower. I had a tree, a valley oak, actually, that was this way. It was pruned extremely poorly because it was right under the power lines. It was probably a volunteer I inherited it when I moved into the house. It was actually pruned into the letter T, and one day I went out and thought that these branches are lower over my head than they were another day. A few days later it collapsed. Ooh. The whole plant collapsed, yeah. So you can pick up, I didn't pick up fast enough on that one, uh, so I lost the tree. But you can trust your senses, is, is uh, something to consider, something to, to be confident with. When I worked, I would come home from work and get a, a beverage and change into comfortable clothes and then just walk the yard. It was a good decompression for me and it showed me the landscape. Uh, my neighbors on one side have wisteria on the fence and on another side grapes. Both of those are vines that will grab onto something nearby. I purposely did not plant right up against the fence. There's a, a, a pathway between them, but I go out have to go out regularly because those vines will start to climb up the plants that are four feet away. They grow vines grow towards shade, mm-hmm. and so they grow towards the plants that are nearby, and they start to climb them, and that's not beneficial for uh, my plants. So I I have to cut them off at the fence line. So those are you get to know what where your problems are, and then you can uh, tend to them.
0: That is also the strategy of one nursery owner who has a, a rather fabulous personal estate. And when he comes mm-hmm. home from work, he has a drink in one hand and his Felco number two pruning shears in the other. And he's just walking around thinking about the day at work or whatever. But when he sees something that's not right, the pruning shears go to work.
1: Yes. Yes. I often forget. I, I put them in my back pocket, but I forget that they're there. I'm walking around in the house with pruning shears in my pocket. The other thing you can do and and is carry... Um, a marker and some wooden stakes. They don't have to be very big or very thick. They could even just be plant labels, although I find they get uh, lost too easily. So I use like one foot tall stakes that are just about an eighth of an inch thick and they have a little little point at the bottom. And if I think something should be moved, I'll say move this and to, and I'll suggest the place. This right now is not the season to move, but this is when I see that it is in the wrong place. Uh, or add something here, add something that's very dark evergreen here, or add some color here, um, or this is a wet spot, or this is a dry spot. And I will uh, mark things. You think you're going to remember those things, but... No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. So having some of those and putting them out is another good thing to do.
0: And that's a very common piece of advice for people with uh, blackberries or raspberry plants is to uh, maybe carry some... Uh, twisties with you or something and to mark those, or some little white paint, and mark those branches, those berry branches that have fruited, to remind you to remove
1: them come fall or winter. Right, because you're not necessarily going to remember
0: that when it comes time. You also implied that having another set of eyes can help you out. And I think that's a great idea where if you have company over, you know, take a walk through the garden, sometimes they'll see things that you don't see. Yes. I remember, I think it was last summer you were over here we were walking through the backyard and you said, what's wrong with those pepper plants? And sure enough, and I had noticed it, some of the pepper plants were getting kind of tired (laughs) looking. Uh, They were sagging a little bit and I looked a little bit closer and the water valve was off. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a drip irrigation system, so all I had to do is
1: give it a quarter turn, and it's back open. But thank you for that. Yes. Save the plants. That happens to me, too. I have my vegetable garden on on a a hose bib timer, but it has has a Y, and I leave the valve open all the time, and I use the little on-off switches on the Y to to control what's going to the vegetable garden and what's going to the hose. But if my husband goes out and uses the hose, out of habit— he often shuts off the valve and I don't get, don't, he doesn't say anything. It's a habit. It, you know, it, I'm not faulting him. It just, it just happens, but I'll go out and notice. And then I have to turn it back on. The
0: things you learn when you're married.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. You get in the habit of doing. It. Yeah, we could do a whole show on that. Uh, but, <laughs> but basically, yeah. Uh, check uh, your water lines, not only for breaks in them, but just make sure yes. that, the, that there's water flow going.
1: Yes. On. I uh, recently went out and thought, why is that plant wilting? It's on drip. That I had had a, a timer failure. The the hardwired on the wall timer failed. It just stopped working. So I had replaced that. Everything had hooked up, the timer was working fine, but this plant was still wilting, so I turned on the valve, and this is something you should do regularly as well, especially as your drip system ages or any irrigation system ages, and then walked around and used my ears and found three places where the, the line was slit. I don't know what slit it, but anyway, it was slit, and so I had to go back and replace those parts of the tubing.
0: Yeah, it's bad enough those garden gnomes are taking <laughs> off all the plant name tags from the plants and, and, and tossing them around. I now think, now they're slitting the hoses. I think they were thirsty, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, yes. they wanted some, or hot, they wanted a shower. Well, that's another whole show we could do on squirrel-proofing your drip irrigation system. But, or rat-proofing, yeah. You know, rat-proofing, yeah. yeah. Well, but we won't. Observe. Get out there with your garden, and you know you're going to end up doing more than you intended to do. The, the hard part is remembering to do what you originally went out to the yard yes, to do. That's true. <laughs> it's it. Sometimes it gets pushed to the back of the list when you go out there and you see that there are other issues. So you might even just write it down in the house before you uh, set set foot in the backyard. Is write down what you intend to do. Stick that piece of paper in your pocket, and then go outside. And then towards the end of the day, you'll remember. Oh yeah, what well, was that us going to do? Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. And then you do that.
1: Yep. Yes. I have lists in the house. Prune this, prune that, move this, move that. Yes. Yeah. Make lists. When you wake up in the middle of the night, write it down. Yeah. Then you can get back to sleep and not worry about it. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. A successful garden is an observed garden. Yes, absolutely. So uh, take closer looks. Have people help you out on that as well. Mm -hmm. It's a garden basic. Mm -hmm. Debbie Flower, thanks so much. You're welcome, Fred. So we've been talking about observational gardening, lingering in the garden, how it's good for the plants. Well, it's also good for you. From way back when, February of 2021, episode 77, we talked about gratitude and the garden during the COVID era, you may recall. And this was back in uh, September of 2021, and we were entering the second year of covid And it made a lot of sense then, and it still makes a lot of sense now, how a garden does you a world of good. This podcast began at the same time the ramifications of the coronavirus epidemic started to hit home. That was back in April of 2020. And you may recall back then we were coming to grips with phrases such as quarantine in place or shelter at home. And you began to figure out what you could do around the house to keep yourself from going stir-crazy. Well, many of you began gardening for the first time, and that was a good thing for a lot of reasons. For one thing, you were getting outside, you're moving your body, you're creating beauty, and you were cultivating gratitude for your new living creations. You were planting flowers, shrubs, trees, you were growing food, and you liked it. Many of you are continuing to garden in 2021. Well, good for you. You're cultivating gratitude. And now, as we enter the second year of the coronavirus epidemic, we are more anxious than ever. You're wondering about all those new vaccines. Where are they? Why am I not getting a shot or two? Is it really a cure? Psychiatrists across the country are dealing with a lot of disappointment and burnout. There are steps you can take to help with your own mental health. By cultivating in your garden, you're cultivating gratitude. And gratitude is good for you. Recently, the Harvard Medical School newsletter said, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, it improves their health, it helps them deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. And one way mental health experts advise you to kickstart your gratitude is to keep a gratitude journal. Write down the positive moments of the day, the people and things you saw or interacted with that brought a smile to your face. And that brings us back to gardening. As a gardener, keeping a garden diary is a great idea, not only because it helps you keep track of what you planted, where you planted it, and its success or failure. A garden diary can also be your gratitude journal. That's where you write down about the beautiful flowers, the interesting perennials, the tasty food that you're growing. Take a walk through your garden each day. Bring along your garden journal. You'll see a lot to be grateful for. A flower in bloom. Interesting looking foliage on a tree. The fruit on a shrub. Interesting insects. Is it a good guy or a bad guy? even the interesting-looking weeds that pop up this time of year. Also, plant yourself a gratitude garden plot. Put in plants that you find particularly pleasing or those that have a long blooming or fruiting season, and the key here, put it in a spot where you can see it easily from inside the house. Now, outside my office window... I've planted flowering maples, the abutilon. It's the tiger-eye variety, and it produces some very interesting-looking red and yellow Chinese lantern-shaped flowers, which attracts hummingbirds like crazy, and it attracts them year-round here in California. The dense foliage of the plant also attracts other small birds, such as finches. They enjoy hopping through the branches. And one time, I remember during a live radio show, a bird we have never seen in our area, a hooded oriole paid a visit to the Abutilon jungle here. At that time, the garden conversation between me and Debbie Flowers stopped, and immediately we turned to scurrying through my bird ID books to identify the bird. And actually, we were grateful for that interruption, and we were tickled that the hooded oriole should pay us a visit. And besides what you see, don't forget to be grateful for all that your garden attracts that appeals to your other senses. The aromas of a fragrant plant, such as the winter daphne, the pleasant sounds of all the birds that visit, and the warmth of the sun. Reminding yourself every day what you're grateful for can boost your mental spirits and help deal with the stress of this ongoing pandemic. And you can cultivate that gratitude with your garden.